this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Coffee and Devotions. This is where every day you and I, we get together, we have a little bit of coffee, we get into God's Word, and we grow in our love for the Lord together. And this year, 2022, we'll make it from the book of Acts to the book of Philemon, Lord willing. Why don't we have some coffee? We'll pray, and we'll finish up the book of Ephesians this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that your spirit is working. We thank you so much that your son has paid the price. We thank you so much that you have poured out your love on us. Father, we plead with you now that as we read your word, Father, we're utterly dependent on you to teach us. So Lord, would you remove the scales from our eyes? Father, would you give us hearts to believe? Teach us, Lord. Make us walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. We're at Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. We'll do the whole book of Eph- or the whole chapter of Ephesians 6 this morning. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. What we're going to do is we're going to ask ourselves our ABCs as we go through these. So what is this about A? This is about children and parents. And so how is the household of God to continue to be run? How are Christian homes supposed to function? And yesterday, or on Friday, we looked at wives and husbands and how Husbands are to love their wives sacrificially, caring for them, and wives are to be submissive to their husbands. Well, now we find that children are to be honoring their parents. Notice, notice that the Apostle Paul goes back to what? To the Ten Commandments. He goes back to the Fifth Commandment. He goes back to the First Commandment with a promise. See, the Gospel... Jesus Christ has freed us from condemnation and the curse of the law, not because he made the law obsolete, not because he took the law and threw it in the garbage can never to be thought of again. No, he made us so that we might walk in wisdom, even children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And then he summarizes the second half and generalizes the second half of the commandment, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Children are to be obedient to their parents. Now, this is something that's not very popular today. We live in a world in which uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, in his writing on the little story about Emile, has run the roost. The children should essentially be left free and open and in the wild, and they should be allowed to do basically whatever they want, learn whatever they want, don't be negative with them, don't hurt their feelings, where the biblical model is children. Obey your parents. <laughs> Listen to them. It's not going to be easy. But you need to learn to respect the authorities who are ahead of you. But that has something to say about fathers, though. If children are to obey, how are fathers to govern their children? How are fathers 
to care for their children. Well, verse 4 says that. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Fathers are not to be tyrants. Fathers, just because their children are to be obedient, doesn't mean that they are despots and dictators. No, instead, they are to train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Men, husbands, we have a responsibility to emulate our Father in heaven and to show our children what it means to walk in the Spirit, to walk in wisdom, to walk in the light. We're to be bringing up apprentices of holiness in our home. This is one of the beautiful stories I remember talking to a woman uh, a while back. She lives in another state, and uh, you know we had stayed at their house. Our whole family stayed with their family, and uh, it was early in the morning, and she, I had come out, and she had had coffee, and uh, she, she knew that I liked coffee. And so we were just talking about her dad, and she mentioned to me, you know, if I ever wanted to know what my Heavenly Father was like, I just look at my dad. He was always so patient and kind. I thought, man, what a beautiful statement of this Christian father who is patient with his children. Fathers, do not provoke your children under wrath, but train them up in the admonition of the Lord. Well, it moves on now here to verses nine or five through nine. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that Whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters, do the same things to them. Give up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. All this part is, again, speaking into the real life of Christians in the first century of people who really did live in Ephesus, people who Paul knew and pastored for nearly three years. See, it's estimated that between half and three quarters of the Roman people living in the Roman Empire at this time are slaves, born slaves, captured and made slaves, bought as slaves, sold themselves into slavery. And so this is widespread. And so... God specifically speaks it to them here. How are they to behave? How are they to live? Right, they've been redeemed. They have a new master. So what should they do? Well, elsewhere, Paul's going to say, if you can get your freedom, get it. Right, but here, as long as you're a slave, do it to the glory of God. Serve not for eye service, not for pleasing others. But do it knowing that you have a master in heaven. He says that with fear and trembling, insincerity of heart as to Christ. Isn't it incredible now that even their work as a slave has eternal value? They work as to Christ. Because they know that as they 
are serving, as they are working, as they are doing these things, that is for the glory of God, that they might be a witness even to their belief, their unbelieving masters. And so he says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. See, this is one of the paradigms we have, is that as we are Christians, Jesus Christ has redeemed us. He's bought us for himself. So yes, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the groom of the church. He's the lamb who was slain, but he is also our master. We serve him because he has loved us and he's redeemed us from the curse of death and sin. Doing the will of God, notice where does this come from? From the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. See, they're storing up treasures for themselves in heaven. Isn't this a beautiful hope? Gives purpose to these slaves who have found their lives in shackles, have found their lives serving someone else, not building up their own capital, not building up their own wealth, not building up their own household, serving someone else. And they might wonder, why am I doing this? And the Lord is saying, on that judgment day, when all the other things are, are burned away, some of the rewards you're going to have in heaven is the heartfelt service, the sincerity and integrity of your work, because you did that work as unto me. Imagine the hope that gave those slaves as they were laboring, not because they loved being in slavery, but because in his providence, that's where he redeemed them. That's how he found them. And so until they could have their freedom, this is how their lives mattered. Because God doesn't, is not a respecter of persons. Whether slave or free, their work endures and gets eternal rewards. Oh, verse 9, now the question is, how should masters treat their slaves? And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. And he tells them, right, if, if you are a Christian man, and this is the first century, and you have, you have these slaves, guess what? You are not to use threatening. You cannot be some person who's lording over them maniacally, waiting to beat them and to put them in the cold or threaten to sell them away or something like that. Why? Because you have a master in heaven and he didn't treat you that way. See, this is going to reform and change the whole makeup of this slave and master relationship. So much so that as masters love their slaves, as masters care for their slaves, guess what's eventually going to happen? Not a type of paternalism that will continue on, but it would eventually dissolve Roman slavery. <laughs> By the time the centuries wear on and Christianity takes root in Roman culture, slavery disappears. Because at the heart of it, 
God's not a respecter of persons. And masters realize on that last great day, they're going to be judged by their master who is in heaven. Well, let's move on. Verses 10 through 20. Finally, this is the last teaching part here. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. The utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly as to make the mystery of the gospel, make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. What is Paul teaching here? Well, he's talked about children needing to obey their parents. This is how they honor them. He's talked about fathers needing to love their children and train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Then he talks about slaves and how they have valuable service as unto the Lord. He talked about masters and how they are to how to treat their servants, knowing that God is no, no, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, he, there's no partiality with him. He's not a respecter of persons. And finally, finally, you need to stand fast in a dark age. You need to stand firm in an age full of wickedness. You need to stand firm against your adversary, the devil. You need to put on the full armor of God. You need to put on the helmet of salvation. You need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Notice this is not your own righteousness. This is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is not a righteousness we, rec- we earn or put on because of our keeping the law, but it is a righteousness that's impenetrable, a breastplate of Jesus Christ. We gird ourselves with a belt of truth. We shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel. And then we pick up our shield. A shield not of our own devising. A shield not of our own confidence of what we can do. A shield not of our own will. But the shield of faith. This gift that he has given us. To pick up. Because as our adversary, the devil, shoots his fiery darts at us, as the temptations come in the night, as the fiery temptations come of despair, despondency, depression, and darkness, as he tells us you're not good enough, as he says you're not holy enough, 
as he says you're a coward, as he says I've seen your failings and there's no way you could be a child of God, we pick up our shield of faith. And as we look at Jesus Christ, the back of that shield of faith, the arrows hit the front side of the shield and they fall to the ground. Pick up the full armor of God, Christian. Pick up the sword. Pick up the one by which you are able to go toe-to-toe with the devil. And then he says, pray for me. (laughs) Paul, as he has written this letter, now he tells us he's in chains for the gospel. It's most likely that he's sitting in Rome in a hole in the ground awaiting judgment. And he's just waiting. And each time the Praetorian guards come around, he's telling them the gospel. He says, pray that my mouth would speak with courage. How often do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ that they pick up the full armor of God? How often do you pray that others would know the gospel would preach the gospel, would walk in light of the gospel. Are you holding on to the shield of faith? Do you have your helmet of salvation on? Are you always ready with the gospel of peace? As this world continues to say what is good is evil and what is evil is good, as, as people continue to try to twist truth, Is your waist girded with the belt of truth? Have you stored up God's word in your heart that you would stand for the things that are true and right and just and pure and holy and perfect? Are you meditating on those things? Put on the full armor of God. Pray for those who are doing the work of the gospel of peace. Well, let's go ahead and make the last point here. But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Thicius, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus in sincerity. Amen. What's this last part about? It says, I'm going to send someone to you. I'm going to send uh, Thicius. And he's going to let you know everything that's going on. But I want to leave you with a final blessing. And I'm just going to shut my eyes here a little bit and or partly shut my eyes and I'm going to pray this benediction for you this morning. Father, I pray for those who are listening. I pray for the peace of the brethren. Lord, I pray that they would have love with faith. Peace to them and love with them with faith that could only come from you, God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that grace would be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen.
May these words be true for you. May you know that the Spirit is alive and working in you. May you be walking in His ways. May you have the full armor of God upon you. And may you walk in sincerity of heart. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's message from God's Word for You, a ministry of Sharon R.P. Church in rural southeast Iowa. We pray that the message would be used by God to transform your faith in your life this week. If you'd like to get more information about us, feel free to go to the website, SharonRPC.org. We'd love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship time is 10 a.m. every Sunday at 25204 160th Avenue, Morning Sun, Iowa, 52640. May God richly bless you this week.